So I definitely believe that we need new taxes, taxes, taxes. The solution is never to stop spending. It's always more spending, bigger government, and more taxes. And what you're seeing right now is a plan that was hatched over 20 years ago. They called it Tax Reform 2000. But it's not the reform that you think it is. Here we go. Good morning, my friends, and welcome to yet another tremendous installment of the program. From very high above all other puerile and insipid forms of Wyoming mainstream media, this is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver Cowboy State Politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the base of the Bighorns, in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming. Good morning, my friends, and welcome to the program. It would seem that we're finally getting some decent weather. At Cowboy State Politics headquarters yesterday, it was a whopping 74 degrees. Don't be fooled, though. This is April, and we do live in Wyoming. So, you know what that means. There's still some white stuff to come. Last Monday, there were active shooter threats called in to over 10 schools in the state of Wyoming. Now, thank God none of them were real. Law enforcement sources told Cowboy State Politics that the call seemed to be sort of an automated voice and with a foreign accent. They didn't think that it was from a number that originated within the state of Wyoming. Although, so many people don't change their phone numbers over to a 307 area code, so it's very difficult to say whether or not those calls came from within our borders. That's something that doesn't really happen all that often. Oh, every once in a while we'll have a threat called in or there is an active situation. But it's not consistent like it is in other places. And thank God that up until now, there hasn't been a shooting that's actually taken place. But we're not immune. There's no reason why you should think that we are. Percentage-wise, there are just as many crazy people here as there are in other places. And let's be honest, if you're going to shoot up any building, be it a school or a bank, like what happened in Louisville, Kentucky earlier this week, you're not exactly mentally stable. Though we all know that that's true, that doesn't stop the mainstream media from blaming the gun. It's always the gun's fault. If we had fewer firearms, then we would have fewer shootings. If the magazines of the guns that we do have were smaller, that they contained fewer rounds, well then obviously we would have fewer shootings. It's math, don't you know? The only way that that math would actually work is if we had fewer crazy people. Because it's not guns that hurt other people. It's people that hurt people. This beautiful pistol that sits right here on my desk could sit there for 100 years, and it would not hurt a single person. But I suppose it's not fashionable to admit that the policies you've put in place are a dismal failure. Just about every single time that we have enacted any sort of gun control, violence has not gone down one bit. There is absolutely no evidence whatsoever that the assault weapons ban that was pushed by Joe Biden in the 1990s had any appreciable effect on any sort of violence. 
If you'll notice, that hasn't stopped him from saying that it did. The claims that that ban was effective are just as preposterous as the very words assault weapon. Those words don't mean anything because there's no such thing as an assault weapon. Similarly, there's no such thing as a military-style weapon. The AR-15 has never been used by the military, nor would they. Those terms are the inventions of politicians and activists, with the sole purpose of frightening you. Frightening you into voting for people that say that they are going to reduce violence by reducing guns, because the guns are very, very scary, and they make very loud noises. That's the top end of the sophistication of their arguments. Because we've all been bludgeoned with rhetoric over the past two weeks concerning firearms, I set up a special treat for you. On Thursday, I'm traveling to the University of Wyoming to interview one of the country's foremost experts on the Second Amendment. His name is Professor George McSorry. Chances are you've never heard of him. I hadn't until a couple of years ago when I stumbled upon a YouTube video of a panel discussion that was held at Duke University. They were talking about how the Second Amendment really is a protection against tyranny. The thesis of what Professor McSorry was talking about during that panel discussion is that governments always attempt to disarm their people. From the time of English kings to Joe Biden's circus that he calls an administration, governments have always tried to take away weapons from their citizens. Why? Because the only protection against tyranny is a citizen with a gun. Similarly, the best solution for a crazy person with a gun is a good guy with a gun. So on Thursday, I'll be traveling to our university to visit with the good professor, and I'll bring you that conversation sometime next week. On today's program, I'm going to tell you about a plot from our legislature that began over 20 years ago. Now, at the time that that report came out, it was a dismal failure because nobody in Wyoming was even remotely interested in what they had to say. And so they toned it down a little bit, and you're seeing the results of what they did 20 years ago happening today. They called it Tax Reform 2000. Fantastic, I know. You're absolutely going to love it. This segment of the program is brought to you by the Buffalo Wool Company. They're the purveyors of the most amazing socks that you could ever put on your feet. They'll keep you warm in the winter and dry in the summer. So go check out their website. It's thebuffalowoolco.com. On any of these big issues, be it firearms or social justice or welfare or taxes, there's always this word reform attached to it. There's a connotation attached to it that leads you to believe that there's a problem with whatever topic they're discussing, and they are going to fix it. They are going to reform it, like the problem is some sort of criminal that we've locked away in a penal institution that we are going to reform. We're going to change the behavior, presumably for the better. Webster's 1828 defines the word reform as to change from worse to better, to amend, to correct, to restore to a former good state, or to bring from a bad to a good state. So whatever it is that we're talking about is in a bad state, and the action that we are proposing is going to change it to be something good. Right. So immigration reform, for instance. Now, if you ask any of us, the problem is that our immigration system is out of control, and there's a whole bunch of illegal immigrants in our country that don't need to be here and didn't come here legally. 
Politicians say they are going to reform our immigration system, but what they really mean is they're going to open up the borders and give amnesty to everybody that's here illegally. Clearly, this is not bringing something from a bad state to a good state. Similarly, criminal justice reform. I think we could all agree that the state of our criminal justice system is definitely in need of some reform. That is, reform according to Webster. If you ask any of us that still live on Mount Normal, the problem with our criminal justice system is that we're not prosecuting criminals. In fact, we're letting them out on bail, free to make another attempt on our hard-earned property. Those mentally challenged folks on the left would try to tell us that criminal justice reform would be just emptying out our prisons. The problem is a mental health crisis, and it's created because of prisons. The truth of which, however, is that people are committing crimes and they deserve to be put in prison. Criminal justice reform would be actually prosecuting criminals. So generally speaking, when you see the word reform attached to anything, it means exactly the opposite of what they should be doing. In Wyoming, most of us are experiencing significantly higher property taxes than we have in previous years. If you haven't got your tax bill for this year, there's a good bet that it's going to be substantially higher than it was even last year. This is primarily due to the exponential rise in property values across the state. According to Wildfile, in an article published late last year, property values increased an average of 16% across the state, and there were increases in all 23 counties. Some counties experienced an eye-popping 100% increase in property taxes. Those increases generated about $400 million over and above what the state collected last year. So there's not a revenue problem. Quite the reverse. They had so much money to spend, they could barely find enough places to spend it. But all of that, quite literally, was at the expense of Wyoming citizens. A lot of citizens that couldn't afford to pay their property taxes last year. So during this past election, a whole bunch of people campaigned across the state saying that their number one priority was to reform our property tax system. Oh, and they did a bang-up job, too. Or at least that's what they're all telling us. A constitutional amendment that would allow them to create another class of property called residential. And that way, so they say, they could independently adjust the tax rates for residential housing. Sounds perfect, right? The strange thing about this is they're all probably telling you the truth, that this, that constitutional amendment would create another class of property and they would be able to adjust the tax rates independent of all other types of property. But what they're not telling you is that would allow them to increase your rates as well. Right now, residential properties are lumped in with commercial properties, so they can't raise the taxes on one and not the other. This was done intentionally by the guys that wrote the Wyoming Constitution. It prevents the legislature from monkeying with the tax rates. Once that barrier is removed, it allows them further ability to manipulate more of your taxes. Here's the interesting thing about it. This whole constitutional amendment came at what looked like the last minute of the legislature. One last at bat to maybe hit a home run. The Hail Mary to the end zone. If you ask a lot of these legislators, they'll tell you that it was a last at bat and they were successful at creating meaningful tax reform. It was pretty good theater, but that's all that it was. The truth is, this exact plan is one that they have been planning for a very long time. In fact, since 1997, 
It was included in what was called Tax Reform 2000. If that sounds ominous, it should. It kind of sounds like one of those things that would come out of a think tank somewhere. In the late 1990s, there were a lot of states that were looking at completely changing their tax structure. In fact, there were 19 of them. All of them focused on creation of a state income tax, a corporate income tax, eliminating exemptions, and increasing sales taxes. So you could imagine how Wyoming citizens would react at the prospect of a state income tax. That's one of the things that's anathema to a Wyoming politician. If you don't want to get elected, suggest that that's what you want to do. In 1997, the Wyoming legislature passed Senate File 143. It became Enrolled Act 56, and of course, it was signed by a Republican governor. Here's what it did, and I quote, There is created the Tax Reform 2000 Committee, consisting of 11 members. I won't bore you with the makeup of the committee. The only thing you need to know is Senator Nancy Case was a part of it among others. But here's what they were supposed to do with this committee. Establish criteria for determining and evaluating state and local revenue options. Analyze the current state and local revenue system, including the composition, dependability, and flexibility of Wyoming's current tax system, the relative burden imposed by the tax system on taxpayers, the relationships between taxes and the overall revenue needs of the state and local governments in the state, the relationship between the tax burden and the benefits citizens receive from the government in this state, the impact of state and local tax system on the economic development, and the relative simplicity of the tax system, both in terms of government administration and taxpayer compliance. Does any of that make any sense to you whatsoever? Yeah. It's all government speak to mask what their real intentions were. It's best summarized in a paper called A Review of State Tax Reform Efforts put out by the Fiscal Research Center in 2010. And I quote, The Tax Reform 2000 Committee proposed adoption of a state individual income tax, but allowing a credit for sales and use and property taxes paid during the same tax year. The committee recommended broadening the sales tax base to include more services, reviewing all exemptions, and keeping the one-cent tax set to expire in 2002 in place. Finally, the committee recommended creating a state corporate income tax, but again allowing a credit for any sales, use, and property taxes paid during the same year, creating a real estate transfer tax, and limiting the property tax. End quote. You can imagine how popular this group was when they traveled around the state and held 20 public meetings in the 18 months after the bill was passed in 1997. Now, I bet you haven't heard about Tax Reform 2000. For good reason. At those 20 meetings, the members of the committee were beat up so bad that they didn't even want to talk about this after the committee report came out. Like I said, a surefire way to get unelected in Wyoming is to propose an income tax. Three years ago, Wyoming Public Radio held a group discussion amongst the members of Tax Reform 2000. Here's what Senator Kale Case said during that. Now remember, Senator Nancy Case is a conservative. So I definitely believe that we need new taxes. We need to broaden the tax base in a way that becomes more sustainable for the Wyoming that we're going to have in the future. And it's not a good idea to spend every last dime in savings because that savings doesn't even belong to us. That represents uh, a future for, for future Wyoming citizens based on the mineral wealth that we sold out. And they didn't get anything for it. 
So I'm looking for new taxes. I'm looking for new taxes that follow what Wyoming's future economy is going to be, what we're going to sell. I think electricity taxes, we're going to be big exporters of electricity in the future. It's going to be produced differently. We need to focus on that kind of thing. We need to consider income taxes at the very high level, both at the corporate and the personal uh, uh, level. In other words, income taxes, especially for those evil rich people. Let's hear it one more time, just so everybody in Fremont County doesn't forget what Nancy Case said. We need to consider income taxes at the very high level, both at the corporate and the personal uh, uh, level. And that was three years ago. Now, of course, you don't hear Nancy Case saying anything of the sort right now. But that's exactly what the Tax Reform 2000 Committee recommended. Income taxes. We'll get back to this dastardly scheme to take more of your hard-earned money in just a second. But first, an obscene profit timeout. The way people are supposed to get money. Cowboy State Politics is brought to you by Morton Buildings. It's spring, or at least it's supposed to be, until it snows again, that is. But it's time to start thinking about a building for your property. I know you've been dreaming about it all winter long, and now it's time to act. The two guys to get a hold of is Nick and Jesse at Morton Buildings. Their phone number is 307-674-2532. They're the experts in metal building construction. They've been doing it longer than anybody else around, and they definitely do it better than anybody else around. So it doesn't really matter what type of building you've been thinking about, whether it's a garage or a barn or a, maybe a roping arena or even a giant warehouse for your building. Give Nick and Jesse a call. Again, their phone number is 307-674-2532, or you can check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. The gun of the week from Gunrunner Auctions is a bighorn sheep and elk killing machine. It's lot number 30. It's a Winchester Model 70 Custom in 358 Norma Magnum. Whoa. It's an outstanding custom rifle with sat-finished American laminated walnut. It's got a cheek piece and a 26-inch custom sporter barrel. It has an excellent bore with a 99% blue. It's absolutely a gorgeous gun. It's got a long extractor a red Winchester recoil pad, an ebony forearm grip, and a front sling swivel that's out on the barrel is a nice touch. The laminated stock is in beautiful shape. It's got a jeweled bolt. I mean, this is a beautiful firearm. It even comes with an excellent Leupold variable 3x9x40 variable scope with duplex crosshairs. The 358 Norma Magnum is an outstanding cartridge that propels a 250-grain bullet at 2,800 feet per second, making it perfect for elk, moose, bear, and all African plains game, up to and including the Eland. This is a one-top-drawer beauty of a firearm, and it can be yours. It's lot number 30 at thegunrunner.com. And now, back to the program.
Now remember what the proposed constitutional amendment that will be on the 2024 ballot said, that they're going to create another class of property called residential so that they can tax it independently. This is great. Now here's another person who was actively involved in the Tax Reform 2000 Committee. Now he wasn't an actual member, but he attended all 20 of the Tax Reform 2000 Committee meetings that were held across the state. Dan Sullivan. Now, Dan Sullivan is the brother of former Governor Mike Sullivan. He spent a couple of terms in the Wyoming Senate. Here's what he had to say during that same Wyoming PBS reminiscing session. And one of the things I mentioned to the Tax Reform 2000 committee in one of my presentations, and I, it would be just as accurate today, is that I think one of the problems with our education system today is that families don't, aren't not invested. They don't have any skin in the game. And so how many PTA organizations do we have in the state of Wyoming? It used to be we had dozens and dozens and dozens in the 50s and the 60s. People took the education of their kids seriously. I don't think they do anymore. And part of that reason is because they don't, as I said, have any skin in the game. They're, they're not really paying much for the education of their kids. They don't go to the school board meetings. And uh, so one of the things I suggested back then didn't get any traction was that maybe we should look at the property tax and impose a, a mill levy for education, not on the assessed value, not on nine and a half percent of your property value, but on a hundred percent. So all of a sudden that family who's paying a thousand dollars or $1,500 a year in taxes and property taxes might have a bump of $500 a year specifically for education. And you do that for every property tax. I think you're going to get their attention they're going to pay a lot more attention about how that money is getting spent. They're going to get re-involved with their school boards. And I think it would be a good uh, situation all the way around. That didn't get any traction. It probably wouldn't get any traction today either, but I uh, thought it was a pretty good idea at the time. Um, there are other things that we can do. Uh, uh, not other things we can do, but there some states have privilege taxes. I think it's pretty darn nice privilege to live in the state of Wyoming. And maybe we ought to pay a little bit more for the fact that we have the opportunity to reside here and live here, make our livings here and educate our kids. So one of the reasons that the idea I mentioned previously didn't get any traction was everybody said, oh, it's unconstitutional. Well, our constitutional in Article 15 simply says that if you're gonna impose a new tax, it has to be posed on a class that exists or a new class that's, that is, uh, is legislatively and constitutionally uh, uh, imposed, and it has to be equal among that class. And I didn't think there was anything unconstitutional about uh, increasing the property taxes on a class of taxpayers uh, in the state of Wyoming in total, and that's that's where that came from. But um, perhaps there is there's a ton in there, but here's just a couple of the key points. You hear this argument a lot, that Wyoming citizens do not have any skin in the game, that we don't pay enough for all of the services that we receive. This is a classic Democrat and red coat lie. You see, the government doesn't have any money. It's all our money. So where does all the money that the state of Wyoming has come from? It comes from us. It's all tax dollars in one form or another, either from minerals or property or sales tax. It all comes from us. It is not the government's money. It's ours. So to assert that we don't have any skin in the game is ridiculous. Even though we don't directly pay for our kids' education, it is paid through by with our money. And this is the most bizarre one. 
Dan Sullivan is complaining about how much money we spend on education, but there's never a suggestion that perhaps we spend too much, that we spend significantly more than other states surrounding us. There's never a suggestion that maybe we should cut spending or cut the size of government. It is always tax more and bring in more revenue. The reason why, at the time this PBS presentation was made, that we were having a revenue problem is that we were spending too much money. When you have a problem with your finances, the very first thing you do is examine how much money you're spending and where. But politicians in Wyoming don't want to do that. It's much easier to tax more and bring in more money, and that way you don't have to cut any services and tick off any voters. Now remember what the legislature passed this just this last session. A proposed constitutional amendment that we're going to create another class of property so that we can tax it independently. Now let me play for you again what Dan Sullivan said right at the end. One of the reasons that the idea I mentioned previously didn't get any traction was everybody said, oh, it's unconstitutional. Well, our constitutional in Article 15 simply says that if you're going to impose a new tax, it has to be posed on a class that exists or a new class that's, that is uh, is legislatively and constitutionally uh, uh, imposed. Now, I thought that our legislators came up with this idea at the last minute and that it was fantastic and it was going to reform our property tax system. Well, as you just heard, it came from a committee whose sole purpose was to come up with a state income tax. Among other ingenious taxes, of course, but that was the main one. So the question you need to be asking yourself is if this constitutional amendment source is that Tax Reform 2000 committee, well, the obvious conclusion is if there is a perceived revenue problem in the state, that constitutional amendment will allow them to independently raise your property taxes to get more revenue. The second thing that it will do, as you heard Dan Sullivan say, would be to impose an education mill levy, but not at the 9.5% that it would be right now, but at 100% of the assessed value of your property. Think about that for just a second. If you think your taxes are high right now, you just wait until they've implemented yet another suggestion from the Tax Reform 2000 Committee. So to sum up, this whole property tax constitutional amendment did not come out of the blue, and though it was brought up in the legislature at the last minute, they've been thinking about it for a very long time, and it's going to dramatically increase your taxes. Secondly, you have to understand who the people that were involved in this thing actually are. They're not conservatives like they claim to be. In fact, they are wild-eyed liberals that are intent on raising your taxes. Nancy Case, for example, you heard him say it himself. The stated goal of the Tax Reform 2000 Committee was to implement a state income tax in Wyoming, among other ingenious ways of stealing more of your money. The solution to all of this is pretty simple. Stop spending so much money. That would be a pretty easy solution. Like the binge drunk that just got his paycheck, Wyoming has a spending problem. We do not have a revenue problem. That'll about do it for today's installment of the program. There won't be a Cowboy State Politics Live tomorrow as I'll be traveling to Laramie to interview Pres Professor George McSorry. So have a good rest of your week, and I'll see you during Weekend Update. From the base of the Bighorns, in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming, I'm David Iverson, and this is the one and only Cowboy State Politics. <laughs>